You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, as we continue our study through the gospel according to Luke, if you're here for the first time, we have just recently started. You come at a great time. We just started a brand new study in the gospel according to Luke, and this morning we pick up in the 46th verse. The 46th verse, and we read, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on all those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. As we pick up our study this morning in the gospel according to Luke, chapter one concludes with a song of praise a fulfillment of a promise and a word of prophecy. And all of these were in direct relationship to God's promises being fulfilled in the lives of his people. It was both Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, as well as Mary, the mother of Jesus, who received prophetic promises from the angel Gabriel. Elizabeth who had been barren her entire life, now past the age of being able to have a child, she and her husband, Zacharias, were informed that they were going to have a baby boy. And they were to call his name John, and he would be filled with the Spirit even from the time that he was in the womb. Zacharias had gone into the temple to burn incense, for he was a priest. And as he was there burning incense, it says that the angel Gabriel showed up and gave him an announcement that he and his wife would have a son. And Zacharias did not believe it. In fact, it seems to imply that he asked for a sign because it was impossible. It, It was just a physical impossibility. He didn't think that it could be done. And so the angel Gabriel said, in in relationship to his unbelief, Zacharias, God's gonna give you a sign. And here it is. You're not gonna be able to speak for nine months. You're not gonna be able to say a word until this baby is born. And that was the end of the story. And then you find out as you come to to Mary, she was told, although she was a virgin, had not yet entered into a relationship with her betrothed husband, Joseph, that she was going to have a child, though not knowing a man. She asked, how is this going to happen? She didn't doubt. She just wondered the method whereby it would take place. And the angel told her, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you will be found with child and you will call his name Jesus and he'll be the savior of the world. The response to these promises being given 
and the anticipation of their fulfillment prompted praise and worship in the hearts of God's people. And that's one of the things that is clearly seen from this passage. And I want to highlight for us this morning throughout our study some things concerning worship that I think are extremely important. One person defined worship in this way. Acknowledging that someone or something else is greater, worth more, and by consequence to be obeyed, feared, and adored. Worship is the sign that is in giving myself completely to someone or something, I want to be mastered by it. I want to be mastered by Jesus. That's who I worship. Another definition, listen carefully for worship. Quote, worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of my mind with his truth, the purifying of my imagination by his beauty, the opening of my heart to his love, the surrender of my will to his purpose. And all of this is gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy for that self-centeredness which is our original sin and the source of all our carnal nature. A worship for God. I love what Warren Worsby said in his book entitled Real Worship. He said, quote, Worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body, to what God is, to what God says, and to what God has done. That is what it means to worship the Lord. When you understand who God is, when you begin to grasp the depth of what God has done for you. The response should be worship unto God. And I want to consider this song that Mary sings, a song of praise. Look back at verse 45 of this same chapter when Elizabeth gives encouragement to Mary by saying, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Mary had been given a promise by the angel. Mary had the promise confirmed through Elizabeth's testimony. And Mary believed in the promise of God. And she submitted her life to the will of God. And now she begins to praise the Lord for what he was about to do. Worship was her response. This song here that we just read has been referred to as Mary's Magnificat. And the reason why it is called this is because in verse 46, that word for exaltation or magnify, it is a word that is used in the Latin, which means magnificat. And thus it is called Mary's Magnificent for that reason. But really this is a, a hymn of the incarnation of Jesus. It's a song that's, that's really likened to one of David's psalms that he wrote. Mary lifts up her heart. She opens up her mouth in praise and adoration to God. And there's a few things I want to take note of concerning what it is to be a true worshiper of God. First of all, if you are a true worshiper of God, you will have a relationship with God. That's what you find straight away when you look at this song. Mary had a relationship with God and that is why she was a worshiper of God. 
It's one thing to sing songs about the Lord, but it's quite another to actually know him and have a personal relationship with him. You remember when Jesus was speaking with the woman at the well, there in John's gospel, the fourth chapter. And Jesus began to reveal to this woman some of the things that she didn't think anybody knew about. Jesus said, I know that you've been with five men and the man that you currently live with now is not your husband. And quickly, the woman at the well decided to change the subject to religious things. (laughs) People often do that. Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about religion. And so she began to talk about where to worship and what to worship and how to worship. And Jesus told her this, that the father was seeking such who would worship him in spirit and in truth. But the only way we can worship the father in spirit and in truth is if we know the father. You can't be a worshiper if you don't really have a relationship with God. I believe that worship in spirit and in truth flows out of the life of a person who is in love with God. You just can't help but worship the Lord if you're in love with the Lord. Mary's worship directed toward God was based upon her relationship with him. It is obvious that she had a relationship because the Lord told her through the angel Gabriel, the father says, you're loved by him. You're, you're greatly blessed. You found favor with God because she had a relationship with God. But not only was her worship directed toward God because of her relationship with God, but also we find that her worship was based upon the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word. When I say the truth of God's word, I'm referring to the Old Testament scriptures. This song right here that we just read the lyrics is filled with references to Old Testament scripture. Mary, is, her, in her song sounds a lot like Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2 when she wrote a song when she was going to give birth to Samuel. Very similar lyrical content here. She also pulls from The prophets, she pulls from some of the Psalms. She takes all of these scriptures that are spread out through the Old Testament and weaves them all together with one theme. How does she do that? Does she look up in her concordance? What does that tie to that? No, she just starts rattling it off in praise because she knows the word. This young woman knew the scriptures well and that is why her worship was so heartfelt. Have you found that when you begin to understand God's word, that that's when worship becomes sweet to you, a blessing to you? Think about it. When you begin to understand something like the redemption of your soul, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to be redeemed by God? Do you realize that if you were not redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you would be separated from him for all of eternity in a place called hell where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies and you live with an eternal cognizance of the fact that I've rejected the gospel and Jesus redeemed me from that. How can I not praise him for that? When I understand the depth of that, the redemption of my soul... My soul magnifies God. When I think about something like the justification of my life, justification, just like I never sinned, God has totally forgiven me. Take it as far as the east is from the west. I am forgiven by God. Worship is so sweet. Why? Because I understand what the Bible says. That is why we teach the Bible here, so that you can understand what it says. 
so that you can have that heart of a worshiper that is directed by God because you know the truth of God's word. Another thing I see within this song of praise that Mary offers to the Lord is a clear understanding of the history of the nation of Israel. We read there in verse 55, she reaches back looking at God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel, even back to the Abrahamic covenant. The promise, that everlasting covenant that God made with Abraham that he was going to fulfill. Here Mary has this understanding of God's past dealings with the nation of Israel and his faithfulness throughout his relationship with them to the present time and even his faithfulness that will reach far into the future. She has a history, understand, an understanding of a history with God. Worship flows out of the life of someone who has a history with God. Do you have a history with God? Hey, if you've been saved one week, one hour, or 30 years, you have a history with God. You can look back to the faithfulness of God, the consistency of God, and because you have this track record walking with God, all of this history with the Lord, worship should flow out of your life because of God's past faithfulness to you. God's consistency in your life, God's provision in your life, this history, it prompts within me this this adoration and this praise for God. You have been so faithful to me, God. How can I not worship you with all of my life? Mary has a history. She recognizes God's history with the nation and thus she praises him. But I also make note here in this song of praise that Mary's worship was also prompted by her own recognition of her own need. Mary has a need here. Notice what it says in verse 47 as she refers to the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced, make note, in God my Savior. Mary's worship is prompted by her own need for God. Mary doesn't claim to be the Savior. Mary realizes her own need for a savior. She is no co-redemptress. She needed to be redeemed. She realizes, I need a savior. I magnify the Lord because I need him. Mary was blessed by the Lord, given a tremendous opportunity like no one has ever had or ever will have. But she is not divine. She needed a divine redeemer just like you and me. After the birth of Jesus, her and Joseph made their way to the temple and they offered a sacrifice. You don't do that if you're divine, but you do that if you see your need, and she did. The day of Pentecost, waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who's there? Mary's there. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I worship the Lord because of who he is, because of what he's done, and I recognize I need him. I can't make it without the Lord. I know that. And so I worship him, prompted by my own need for him. I need you, God. And Mary worshiped him in that way. Some people only worship God when everything's going well in their life. If they feel healthy, well, bless God, I'm going to worship. If their car's running, 
Hallelujah. If it's broken, it's a piece of junk. I can't even. It's fair-weathered worship. When I feel like worshiping, I worship. When I don't, I don't. But worship is whether I feel like it or not. I just worship God because of who he is. When you read the book of Job, maybe some of you skip over it, but because you don't want all the things to happen to you in it. But when you read the book of Job, you remember that Satan came before the presence of God. And he was accusing, going back and forth throughout the whole earth, accusing everybody. And that's what he does. He's a condemner and accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. And the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, uh, you consider my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. (laughs) Satan responded, of course, I've considered Job. Here's the deal. The only reason Job walks with you is because you blessed his life. But listen, you remove all those things from Job's life, he'll curse you to your face. Trust me on this, I have studied human beings. And the father said, all right, I'll allow you to test Job in this way and remove the blessings from his life, but, but spare his life. And remember, no sooner had that word been given than Satan began to attack Job and in a matter of moments destroyed everything that was precious and valuable to Job, including his own children. And my response would be, curse you, God, probably in the flesh, not Job's. I prayed that my response would be like Job's. Job said, naked I came into this world, naked I will go out. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not curse God. Job knew that he had a need for God. Job recognized that apart from God, he could do nothing and he just worshiped God. And then a second wave of of affliction came upon Job, this time physically, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, afflicted with boils, just miserable. And still, he held his peace and he would not curse God. Oh, he struggled. He had questions, but, but he wouldn't curse God. He continued to worship God. What about you this morning? Sometimes worship is a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping, but it is a sacrifice of praise. And so I choose, I make a decision, I will worship God for who he is and what he's done in my life. And that's the next thing I see in this song, that Mary worships God for what he had done for her and what he had yet to do. If you look at verses 46 on down through 55, you may notice two words that are repeated over and over again, and it's these words. He has. He has. He has done this. He has done that. He has done this. And just on and on, she lists it all the way down. This is what God has done, and this is why I will worship him because of who he is and what he's done. I was having this discussion with one of my sons this week as we were driving in the car together, and sometimes we get into these discussions, and kids at a certain age, they become inquisitive and they sometimes ask random questions. Random questions like on every subject. And sometimes I have answers and other times I say ask your mother. But, but nonetheless, occasionally biblical subject comes up. I think, okay, maybe I can answer this one. Oh, we start talking about worship. 
And here's what we began to discuss. We started to look at the book of Revelation and we were talking about the fact that in heaven presently, the worship songs that are being sung, the lyrics that we have, did you know they emphasize two things specifically? Who God is and what Jesus has done. That's the emphasis of worship in heaven. Who God is, he is holy. I mean, day and night, these angels on repeat, on loop, Holy, holy, holy. I mean, it never stops. It is just, it just keeps on going. I love that song. Play it again. And they do. It never stops. And nobody gets tired of it because it's the truth. And then you have everybody else gathered around the throne of the Lamb and saying, worthy. You've redeemed us from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. And all they do is praise God for the Lamb that was slain and who God is. That's, that's what worship's about. And guys, when we pray, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're saying is that should be the cry of every believer, worshiping God because of who he is and what he's done. That's the emphasis. Not just with the songs that I sing, but with the life that I live. The reason I live as an act of worship is because of who God is and what he's done for me. This is the response. Present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. This isn't unreasonable. God didn't ask me to do anything unreasonable. He saved my life and thus reasonably I serve him. I worship him for who he is and what he's done. I also want to make note in this song of Mary, and not only because of who God is and what he's done, but Mary's song was also sung and proclaimed in faith and trusting in God. Trusting in God. Mary is praising the Lord for some of the requests that he had already fulfilled, but there were some other things that she believed in faith that God was going to do in the future. And so she praises him in advance for what he has yet to do. There are many promises that God has made to us that he has already fulfilled. But there are other promises that God has made that have yet to be fulfilled. And by faith, I choose to praise him. Even though I can't see how it's going to work out, even though I don't know the way it's going to, how it's all going to you know, come together or, or whatever, I choose to praise God regardless. Because by faith I believe, I worship him in faith, trusting in what God has said, that he will fulfill it. Without, I lift up, the Bible says, holy hands, without wrath and without doubting in my worship toward God. By the way, let me just mention to you, concerning lifting up hands without wrath and without doubting, just so you know, lifting your hands in a time of worship is biblical. It's okay. <laughs> Seriously. It's in the Bible. All right? You say, why are you emphasizing this? I'll just listen. I remember the first time I felt free to lift my hands. I felt free to lift my hands to the Lord. It was, it was just like a, a, an incredible time. I'm sitting there. And you know, you kind of go through stages. Some people like to use one hand. I keep one hand in my pocket. Like, you know, wh- how do I, when do I lift it? You know, do I go halfway? Do I go all the way? Do you turn them in or out? You know, what are you supposed to do? You know, how do you do this? And so you kind of just, you kind of just ease into it. You know, the first one's like looking around, you know, you just like right on saying hi. 
you know, but, but then there comes a time when you just don't care. And that happened to me. Am I wearing deodorant? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I am going to lift my hands. Do I have rings or what? You know, I don't want, yeah, I don't care. Why do I lift my hands? One, it is biblical, but two, let me say this. I lift my hands. In one sense, for me, it's surrendering to God. My hands are up. It's not stick them up worship, you know, stick them up. You better, oh, okay, no, no. This is a response to God. I, I lift my hands in surrender. I also lift my hands because I want to receive from God. Lord, if there's anything, in a sense, that you want to, I, my hands are open to receive and my hands are also open if there's anything you need to take that rightfully belongs to you. I'm submitted to you. Take it, God. If this is hindering my worship, take it. I surrender. That's why I lift my hands. To worship and praise God. Well, raising hands without wrath or doubting, singing and praising and living in faith and trust of God for what he has yet to do. As Mary magnifies the Lord, I want to point out just a few things that I, I think will also help us in our worship of God. First of all, look now at verse 48. Mary says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. The reason why Mary chose to worship the Lord here and this song proclaims it, she says because the Lord had regarded her lowly estate. That means the Lord could see her. God saw her in her condition and God blessed her. He sees her, he knows her, and he blesses her. Guys, listen carefully this morning. God sees you. He sees you. Now, for some of you, that is a tremendous comfort. God, you see me. Others of you, it's frightening because there's certain things you don't want God to see, but he sees it anyway. It's not like you walk in and say, God, um, I'll be right back. Stay right here. Actually, if you want to come into church with me, that's cool. But after church, I got to go to this place, and you just stay in the car, God, and I'll come. When I'm done, I'll come out. No, he sees everything. The psalmist, you remember, he said, Lord, where can I go to get away from your presence? If I go into the heights, you're there. If I go into the depths of hell, you're there. I mean, there's no place I can go to get away from you. God sees you, guys. He sees you. He regards your state. What does that tell me? It tells me that God thinks about me. God thinks about me? What's God thinking about me this morning? Oh, this, I got great news. He thinks good thoughts about you. Good thoughts. Really? Yes. The Bible says so. God's good thoughts toward you this morning are more than can be numbered. They're more than the sand of the sea, the Bible says. You can't tabulate it. You can't calculate how many good thoughts God thinks about you. This is marvelous to me. This weekend, we were up in the mountains with our men, about 100 guys up in the mountains for our men's retreat. Considering our theme, it was redeeming the time. Such a great, you should have heard those guys singing. I exhorted all of them, when you come home, I expect you guys to sing like you sang up here. I mean, they were just, you know, it's like, wow. It was really, they were just digging in. So wives, just know your husband does sing. And so when he comes home, tell him, babe, let's hear it, you know, and, and just see how it goes. But anyhow, we were worshiping the Lord up there. But 
early one morning because you don't really sleep at men's retreats anyway. So you figure, I'll just get up now, you know, because if I just sit and listen to uh, the combination of snoring back and forth, is why? I'm just going to get up anyway. So I got up. I went outside early in the morning, pitch black. But you know what's so fascinating when you're up in the mountains is you look up in the sky and you can just see, I had no idea that that's a lot of stars. I had no idea that they were all up there. And you're just standing there like, whoa. And you bump in, that's a tree. And you're just walking around and looking at all the stars. And it dawned on me as I was, I was looking at all the stars, that psalm where the psalmist says, Lord, when I consider the heavens, the moon, the stars, I look up there and I think, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you would consider him. The psalmist saying, God, when I look at the vast creation, I think, what? You're so big. You're so amazing. And yet you think about me. What does that do? That should prompt worship. Lord, you think about me, good thoughts toward me. I can't even number them. I worship you, God. You know my state. Listen, guys, I don't know what state you're in today. Well, you're in the state of California, but I mean in the sense of what state you're in right now. God sees you. God's aware. God knows. He sees. And he's concerned. Not only did Mary praise God because he saw her and blessed her, but look what it says in verse 49. This is reason to praise God. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Of course, in Mary's case, this great thing that was done for her was this opportunity to give birth to the Savior of the world. You talk about great things. But let me ask you something. Has the Lord done any great things for you? Do you have any great things that you can look at in your life and say, that was, that was so the Lord. What, what a great thing God has done. Let me tell you, if you can't think of anything right now, if you're a born-again Christian this morning, your salvation is the greatest thing that God could have ever done for you. And he's done it. The great things that God has done. Sometimes we want to emphasize the great things that I need to be doing for God. When really, worship is prompted by considering the great things that God has done for me. Great things that I don't even deserve the least of the great things that God has done for me. And yet it prompts worship when I consider what God has done. Mary not only praises God for the fact that he sees her, he's blessed her, he's done great things for her, but also in verse 49 and 50, she considers now the attributes of God in her praise and exaltation. For we read in verse 49... For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. These attributes of God, just some of the attributes that reveal who God is. First of all, he's holy. To be holy means to be completely set apart. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Completely set apart from his creation, totally and completely holy. And for this, for his holiness... For who he is, I worship God. His attributes. Interesting today, we live in a society, don't we? Where people want and do 
worship. Did you know that? But they worship other people. Have you noticed that? People have it within them. I believe it's built within us to worship. But some people direct their worship toward another human being. For what reason? He can jump really high and put that leather ball into that metal rim that has a net. Woo! Get me that guy's jersey. I want to be like him. I want to worship at the feet of him. People worship at, they make all kinds of idols. And they see somebody in the airport, they start, their knees get weak, they start to swoon, and then they start weeping. I just saw him. I just saw him. <laughs> Why? He's a human being. So he can dance around the stage. Big deal. Did he create the universe? No. Does he keep the sun at just the right distance so that I don't fry and just the right distance that I don't freeze? Does the world revolve around his throne? No. He's never going to be as big as Jesus. I'm not going to worship at the feet of any man or any woman. Guys, there's only one that's worthy of worship. That's God. Worship God. Don't fall down at the feet of any man. Don't get starstruck. Listen, there's only one. That's the one that put the stars into space and keeps them there. Talk about starstruck. Look at Jesus and worship Jesus. And I'll take it a step further. Don't, don't be worshiping at any feet of any ministry, any pastor. Human beings in need of Jesus as much as you are in need of Jesus. In need of the Holy Spirit as much as you are in need of the Holy Spirit. Trust me on that point. Worship Jesus. Worship God. Furthermore, Mary worships God because he is unique and that he is holy, but she also worships God in this attribute of his mercy. Oh, if there's something I am grateful for today, it is the mercy of God. Not getting what I deserve. That's mercy. I deserve judgment. I deserve wrath. I deserve lightning bolts from heaven, man. I mean, really, if I, just give me what I deserve, God. That's all I'm asking. Just what I deserve, all right? No, you don't want what you deserve. We get what we don't deserve. The mercy of God. Can you believe that? The mercy of God. Did you know the Bible says that it's through his mercies that we're not consumed? That God is rich in mercy because his great love with which he has loved us. One of my favorite verses, it says in the scriptures that his mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad? Here I am, I wake up in the morning, Lord, back the truck up, beep, beep, beep. It's the mercy truck. Dump it on the truckload of mercy. I'm gonna need it. Next day, beep, same thing. It's just daily dumping mercy on me because I know it, man. I use up all my mercy in the, in the given day and I need new mercies every morning. And the wonderful thing is they are available. God is merciful to me. And if he's been merciful to me, I need to be merciful to others. Are you merciful? Do you pray, God, show me your mercy? Judge that guy right there. If I'm a receiver of mercy, I need to be one who distributes mercy. Not only did she praise him for his mercy, but also note in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm, scattered the proud 
in the imagination of their hearts and he has put down, it says, the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Mary praises God for his strength, for his strength. Mary did not have strength enough to bring this child into the world, to endure all that she was going to endure as a result of a virgin birth and all the questions that would surround. She needed strength that she did not have and she praised God for the strength that he would provide. Guys, the Bible tells us that we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's where our strength comes from, from him. The Bible also tells us that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit, the strength that we need. Listen, you might have come in here this morning into this service and you feel weak, spiritually just depleted, weak. But listen, the apostle Paul in writing to the Corinthians, he spoke about what he called the thorn in the flesh in his life. It was a physical affliction that he had that he said was used to keep him humble before the Lord. Three times Paul said, God, take this away from me. Did Paul lack faith? I don't think so. God spoke to Paul, answered his request, but not the way that he asked for. God said, Paul, listen carefully. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Do you understand what it's saying? Paul, in response to that, said, therefore, because God's going to be strong when I'm weak, and I've really learned that when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong, I will boast in my infirmities. I will give God glory because there's this this power of God that rests upon me when I've got nothing left to give. I don't have it in me. I don't don't have any strength. I can't can't muster these words. I I can't do it. But that's great. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God. And now you tap into a power, into a source of strength that goes way beyond anything that you could manufacture in your flesh. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Bible tells us, listen carefully, the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I hope you understand what I'm just said. You understand, right? The same, the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead dwells in the life of every believer. That's power enough to handle temptation. That is strength enough to get through the trials and tribulations that you're going to face and I'm going to deal with in this life. That is strength. I don't have it in me, but it's in him. My strength is in the Lord. And perhaps today your hands, as the Bible says, are hanging down and God wants to strengthen your hands with his strength and you're trying to hold it up and you're trying to keep it together and you're, you're working really hard and, and you just realize I can't do it but listen there's a strength that's found in weakness it comes through the Lord Mary praised God for his strength she also praised God for his provision in verse 53 he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty she praised God for his provision The Bible tells us that God is referred to, he has a number of names, but one is Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, Paul said to the church. 
I have found that God does not provide for all of my wants. But that's a good thing. But he provides for my needs. When was the last time you just thanked the Lord for providing for your needs? I was telling the, the previous service, you know, when I got up this morning and I put my shirt on, I didn't say, thank you, God, for this shirt. I just wondered if it matched. I didn't know. I was asking my wife. That wasn't my concern, thanking God for the fact that I got a shirt on my back. But I thought about it. I should. I should praise him. Thank you, God, for what you have provided for me. God, you're faithful. Has God been faithful to provide for you? Give us this day our daily bread. Has he provided? If he has, worship the Lord, man. Praise him for that. Don't take it for granted. It's easy to do, to get into these prayers at dinner time that are very rote and very, you know, mechanical. They even rhyme, some of them. No, think about what you're praying, thanking God for his consistent provision. Finally, Mary praises God because he has kept his word and he will fulfill his promise. In verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary looks back at the fulfillment of God's promises to his people, the nation of Israel. Even though Israel had broken the covenant, even though they had been unfaithful to God, he remained faithful to them. He would fulfill his covenant to them, his agreement, his promise. And Mary praised God for the promises that had been fulfilled and the promises that would be fulfilled in the future. Has God fulfilled any promises in your life? Has God brought things to pass in your life? Promises that God made, promises that he has kept. If he has, he is worthy of worship. And this should encourage us to continue to worship because there are still promises that God will yet fulfill in our lives. Think about all of the precious, exceedingly great, the Bible says, and precious promises that have been made unto us. I want to encourage you. When you go through your Bible, underline, highlight the promises found in God's word. You may even want to write the letter P next to it as a reminder. That's a promise. I'm going to take that one. That one's for me. Mark it. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. They're for you. They're for me. And if God has given us his word, he will fulfill his word. And so I praise him for what he has done, but I also praise him for what he has yet to do. I was thinking about one of the amazing promises that God made to his disciples. This is the one that was ringing in my ear this morning. And that was where Jesus said, I've gone away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. (laughs) That's a promise. And I take it. Yes, God. Yes, all the promises of God are in him. Yes and amen, the Bible says. I receive it, Lord. I grab hold of it. I live on it. (laughs) I live on the promises of your word. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Take hold, precious brother sister of the promises of God's word. Live on them. They will sustain you. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor John Randall. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor John's teaching ministry 
by visiting a dailywalk.org.